Can the farming community in Washington State absorb tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars a year more in new costs? Whew. That sounds brutal. A lot of people would say, well, of course not. It's tight everywhere you go right now. On the flip side, is there a fairness issue that needs to be dealt with? And that's what proponents of this change that could be that costly are saying. This is just about fairness and how farm workers are paid. And I understand the reason to to deal with this, address this, talk about this issue. But I think the fairness argument comes from a lot of people not really understanding what the deal is with farm workers and overtime exemptions. That's what we're going to tackle here. Uh, the uh, Washington Farm Bureau and the Washington da- State Dairy Federation are uh, saying that tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars a year in new costs are at stake uh, with this case that's now going to the Washington State Supreme Court, basically asking the question, is it okay for workers on farms in Washington State to be exempted from requirements that workers get paid time and a half overtime. Joining us right now with the Washington State Dairy Federation, uh, Scott Dilley, welcome to the program. As we were just talking about uh, before we came on the air, Scott, this is one of those issues that at, at the surface level that I've just set out here so far, it can sound super simple, and very quickly it gets so complex that people are like, oh, I can't even wrap my head around this. Get us caught up first, though, um, kind of what's happening with the court case, how that came to be, what kind of the what the you know uh, cliff notes version of this whole thing is first of all thanks dylan for for having me on and um yeah the issues regarding overtime and especially agricultural overtime uh well there, there are a lot of different things that are going on at, at the moment and uh first off is the court case that has now been scheduled for oral arguments at the state supreme court on october 24th so and that is the court case uh in, in which the farm worker advocates are uh, are, are uh, arguing that the time and a, or that the straight time rate that is found in the in state statute and state law, where you know farm workers are paid uh, overtime, but at a rate of just their regular pay, not time and a half like in many other industries, they're arguing that that law is unconstitutional under the state constitution and needs to be struck down. And uh, the Washington Farm Bureau and the Dairy Federation um, are on the other side of that, saying that uh, the current law, uh, as it's as it's written, as it's been adopted, uh, is clearly constitutional. This is and a, it should stand. This is, of course, tricky, and and I'm sure we'll get into this later. But just again, as Cliff Notes version, it's tricky because farming is so much different than most other jobs. It's so seasonal, and it can be all on, you know, all hands on deck for a couple of weeks in a crazy part of harvest or something like that, and then it could be uh, months with not a lot going on, and so that's where it gets tricky. How how do you you know make a an overtime rule that that even fits that and a lot of workers including myself growing up working on the farm and a few other farms as well you get used to it i mean you when you get the hours 
you you take as many as you can get and and yeah the you realize the farmer can't afford to pay you time and a half for those hours over 40 hours a week but doggone it if you aren't happy if you get 80 hours in a week and and i used to be able to get 90 and and my my best week was 110 hours actually i don't know if that's <laughs> wow. breaking some kind of rule somewhere but it was a long time ago well, and we won't tell you who it was for so <laughs> but anyway well, that, that's kind well, of the, the gist of what makes this tough for farming right well, yeah, you know, the, these exemptions were put in state law and, you know, well, for a reason, right? I mean, and at least in terms of agriculture, we're dealing with, you know, natural products, right? Whether it is milk that comes from a cow or fruit that grows on a tree, um, we, ha- we deal with a very, like a natural cycle of things. So it's not as though there's a factory where you can uh, control the product and, um, and workers' hours and have all of these kinds of things work together like you could at, you know, at, at a car manufacturer or, or, uh, you know, or aerospace or even technology, right? So agriculture is inherently different uh, because of the natural side of of things and that's why these exemptions have been put in, in into state law. I would argue it's also different because almost no other industry is the same as farming in being a price taker. Um, kind of whatever trickles down, everybody exactly. else gets their cut, you know, uh, in the whole supply chain. And if costs go up, they pass that down the chain. And it's the farmer who is unable in almost all cases to pass additional costs on, uh, which is another thing that makes farming unique. Exactly. Exactly. So there's this court case and, and it would seem like the argument is, well, about fairness. And I think that's part of it, but really it sounds like the big argument is about some other things, too. Technically, the reason that it's coming before the state Supreme Court are for some other issues, including racism and and things like that. Yes. So the farm worker advocate side, uh, they're arguing that uh, you know farm workers are a protected class, that uh, there was racism involved in drafting the federal exemptions. Um, you know, the agricultural exemptions from overtime. And therefore, when the state adopted the same language in state law, uh, somehow the, the state law is now tainted with, with these accusations from, uh, you know, that they've made against the federal law that was, you know, passed in the, you know, um, early 20th century. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's the argument from, from their side. And they're saying that, you know, since, uh, since, well, you know, since that's the case, uh, the state Supreme Court should strike down the state statute under uh, the Equal Protection Clause in the state constitution. What's the argument coming from the State Farm Bureau and the State Dairy Federation, who you work for, um, why this should be constitutional and, and why this exemption stays in place beyond just the common sense that we've talked about? What's the legal argument? Well, the, the legal argument is that there is no reason to overturn a legitimate action of the legislature. The The legislature makes these kinds of determinations all the time, and they can decide these questions of policy. And so the legislative branch makes those determinations, not the judicial branch. Is this essentially a, a, a case of legislating from the bench? I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like here, because there have been attempts in Olympia in the legislature to pass laws that would change this, and they didn't make it. 
Well, and what we've seen across the country. So what you know, it's uh, whether it's in New York or California, um, where there are some you know newer laws regarding overtime in agriculture. Those changes were made by their state legislatures, not by the courts. So whether people like the result or don't like the result, at least it went through the legislative process, right? You know, of making new laws. And the process was followed in those different states, but it was not imposed by a court. Scott Daly with us right now with the Washington State Dairy Federation talking about this ongoing, I want to say conversation on one hand, but on the other hand, maybe sounding a little bit more extreme court battle over farm workers and overtime pay and costs that farms might have to absorb if this changes Um, You said it's more, though, than just the case right now going before the Washington State Supreme Court. Well, uh, yes, it is more than than just the case. There's a lot going on in terms of overtime, both on the federal level and the state level. I think, though, getting back to the court case for just one moment, you know, the, the result of the Supreme Court decision will be either that the current state law is upheld and is okay, or if it is struck down, then what's next? And, you know, looking at state law, it could be that agricultural producers of all different commodities uh, may be on the hook for going back up to three years. If the Supreme Court rules in such a way that time and a half is owed, then we could see all sorts of fallout from this case where producers may have to go back in time and make up some of those wages. So this is, it's not just an issue of, hey, once they rule, what do I do the next day with regard to paying my workers? It could be, well, I need to gather some things together and and figure out what has happened before and then also what will happen in the future. So it could be a very costly decision if they strike down the overtime exemption. Is there anybody in the farming community talking seriously about what that could look like? I mean, that sounds like that could be devastating. It, it could be devastating. And, and we've seen, you know, other cases uh, such as the Sakuma decision, the Dovex decision, uh, where the Supreme Court has, um, you know, sided with folks who brought those cases rather than the agricultural employers. And, and the ag communities had to make some very costly uh, changes. So it is certainly at the forefront of our minds with regard to overtime and what this case may mean. But at the moment, our attorneys are preparing for the oral arguments on October 24th, and we're going to go in and present our case and you know, believe that the Supreme Court will make the right decision and uphold current state law, you know, uphold the exemptions that are there. You know, those exemptions were placed there for a very good reason, and we have to believe and argue for keeping those exemptions. Now, from what I'm understanding, the general concept is, is well, you know, and this is what the advocates of this, this whole issue are saying, that we need to do something that's good for workers. This is fair to the workers. But from what I'm hearing from others, they're saying practically this could hurt workers. Can you talk about what, what that potential impact could be? Well, yes, exactly. Because right now there's some flexibility out there, right? With regard to the way that, that folks are, are being paid, you know, in, in terms of not time and a half, but just like we've said before, just a regular rate of pay for, you know, hours over 40 hours in a week that really reflects 
uh, the way agriculture uh, works, mm -hmm. and it gives workers flexibility. It allows them to get more hours in, but the moment you begin making those additional hours more expensive, then perhaps more agricultural operations will then go to different shifts. They'll have to cut back on hours and find additional workers. It all depends on a lot of factors, but there's more incentive to simply cap the number of hours offered in a week at 40 or below rather than extending those hours over so that people can earn more money. I have been in that situation. I have worked, and this was right. outside of the farming world, where I worked for a company that said, no, you can't have over... Well, initially it was 30 hours a week, and then when there was concern about, um, you know, healthcare requirements and this and that, and everything had to do with the number of hours you could work and, mm -hmm. and what benefits you were getting. And pretty soon it was 28 hours a week and 27 hours a week, and then ultimately as well, we want to make sure it's 25 hours a week just to be safe. Uh, that cut into my paycheck. I know it cuts into a lot of people's paycheck, especially if it's a farm worker who's trying to, you know... Yep. literally Maximize make hay when the yes. literally make hay when yes. the sun shines get as many hours as they can and and again I've been in that situation myself again we're talking with Scott Dilly with the Washington State Dairy Federation and it could mean a loss of those jobs it could mean at least fewer hours from some folks and honestly with with some of the labor cost pressures that we're seeing we could see a lot of farms react with additional mechanization um, and automation of of systems, and we see that in the berry and the in the fruit world. We're seeing that in the dairy world as well. So maybe that those jobs could just potentially go away entirely. How is that a win for a worker? Uh, in that case, and ultimately, if those jobs go away or worse, the kind of farming that we do here in Washington State no longer becomes feasible here, what happens to that production? We have food then that was at one time and is right now produced here. In the future, if it's produced elsewhere, if it's it produced in other countries where workers are paid peanuts, where the environment is, isn't protected, there aren't safeguards for animals, et cetera, et cetera, how is that a win for everybody? I think the real big picture questions here are pretty obvious where they're treading on on dangerous ground to try to to take this on is there a sense of that or is this very much just a, this is fair for workers no no other argument wants to be heard <laughs> oh well that you know I, I i wish i could comment on on the mindset of of folks uh on sort of the other side of of this yeah. um but i i do think that you've laid out a lot of the possible consequences uh, anytime we make changes to wage and hour laws, the industry is also going to change. Employers are going to have to change, too, because at the end of the day, the farmers or small business owners need they have a bottom line to meet. Right. They can't be in debt year after year. They have to be in the black. Right. You know, they, mm -hmm. you have to make a profit at, at some point. And when there's too much, um, whether it's in terms of, of legislation or regulation or even court decisions that deal with these kinds of wage and hour issues, they do have impacts, either positive or negative, on rates of pay, on the number of employees, on workplace conditions, on all of that. And it's going to take some time to figure out for really each business owner to figure out what to do with regard to those changes. And, you know, can they survive? Can they make changes? Or does it, are those changes minimal changes or are they drastic, like switching commodities or mechanization? 
those are all things that each farmer, each business owner is going to have to look at and really figure out in light of new rules, new laws, new court decisions, what it is they need to do to ultimately stay in business. Scott Dilley, Washington State Dairy Federation with us on the Farming Show here on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Scott, when's the next time we're going to hear news on this? What's the next kind of checkpoint here uh, on the calendar? I would say, um, at least in terms of the ag overtime lawsuit, uh, we'll be hearing more probably right, well, right before, right after oral arguments on October 24th. I I think after that, we'll have a a better sense of the questions from the members of the court and then, you know, answers from the attorneys on, you know, what this case may mean. So I I think um, that'll be the the next time we get a a good sort of clearer sense um, from the court on perhaps what direction they're going uh, with this, this particular case. Again, Scott Dilley, Washington State Dairy Federation. Thanks for the update and and, uh, keep us posted as we go here with us. I certainly will. Thanks, Dylan.